Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you Alright, so good morning, guys. Um, I'm excited. I'm nervous. Um, so many feelings. The moment we made a left turn into the church, I was with Claudia, and I was like, <laughs> "So." Um, but I'm excited to share this morning with you guys um, a message that um, the Lord has been placing in my heart for the last two years that we've been living in this life of COVID. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was with Pastor Rigo, and we were talking, um, chatting up, and catching up, and we were sharing, and he was just sharing with me what he wanted to do for our church for the month of October. He wanted to open up the platform for a couple of us here. As you guys saw, we saw Brother Omar, we saw Rizzo, we saw Pastor Max even come and pour onto us. Just things that the Lord has been speaking to each of one of our hearts. But as he was sharing with it, he was like, he was doing a little bit of a wordplay with the words of my, um, our best message or your best message. And I thought for a moment, my mind went and goes into a tangent. I'm like, wait a minute, I've never shared. So this may be my first and last message, depending on how I do today. So... So with that, I came up with the title with my only message. Um, so before we, we jump into what that message is, I want to tell you about myself a little bit. If you guys didn't hear my name, my name is Rudy Briseño. I'm 33 years old. I'm married to my beautiful wife, Claudia, that we will be making five years in March. We're actually going to be doing 10 years in November just being together. So que aguante she's had with me, right? Um, so just dealing with me. Um, so I want to thank those that have actually come here today to and support those that are watching. I thank you because this message has been just um, a lot of prayers and, and some people fasting for this message to be shared. Um, I work in IT and um, many of you have been doing life for many years. So you guys understand my obsession with Superman. Um, I've been at Nest since I stated since December of 2009. And I've had the privilege to serve along many of you guys and others inside these walls and even outside. And that's a quick summary of my current life. But what you guys don't know that although my life sounds pretty good, I guess, I am a mess. And that's my point, um, number one today. I am a mess. You see, the man that you see before us, before you, is a, mess, is a man that has many faults. Faults that stem from my upbringing. Faults that I have stumbled upon through my life. And faults that the Lord has allowed to be part of my life to grow me. One of those faults is that I'm extremely careless, and my wife is a testimony of how careless I can be. Um, she can tell you that at least once a week, she is telling me how careless I am because of something that I did. And with that, I actually want to show a picture, and let's put up picture number one, please, is that th earlier this week, and we like to cook together. Um, every time I get out of work, she'll, she'll season the food or whatever, and then I do the cooking part of it and stuff. So earlier this week, we were like, okay, what are we going to have for dinner tonight? So we're like coming up with recipes and whatnot. So we came up with, let's do fried chicken in the air fryer. Great. So I get home, I put it in, I put on 400 degrees, 25 minutes, chicken comes, the bomb. It's, it's tender, it's crispy, amazing. And then the next day comes around and I get a text. And I get this picture that's behind me. And I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it. I'm like, what in the world am I looking at right now? So then if we can put picture number two. 
please. So can you guys tell me the difference between picture number two and picture number one? All right, so if we put picture number one again, if you guys notice, the handle is actually bent. Mind you, 400 degrees, putting an air fryer in that corner, placing it close to the Keurig, the vapor came out and it specifically bent the handle of the Keurig. Amazingly, I tell Claudia, I was like, hey, you know what? It's pretty dope that it actually did it in the middle. So it kind of is like symmetrical. So it kind of adds a little flair to it. But again, I'm a mess, guys. And I apologize to the person who gave this for our wedding. It lasted four years, almost five years, but it still works, thankfully. But the Bible talks about this, about me and about us being a mess in the following verse. In Romans 5.12, it says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all has sinned. We as human beings are born with a, with a sinful nature that actually come from Adam. And if you didn't know, we can actually read it quickly on the following story. And if you guys want to turn to it, it's in Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to read the whole story. And in my Bible, I read from the New King James Version, it says the temptation and the fall of man. And we'll start with verse 1. And it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast in the field which the Lord God has made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the, and the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat, if your eyes will be open, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they, saw, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden of the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord got to, called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked and hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And I'll pause. You like how it's, it's now a blame game here. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Another blame. It's not my fault. It's this person's fault. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I would greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. 
both thorns and thistles, thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And, Adam's call, and Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us. To no good and evil, and no less, he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life, and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to, the, to, to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out of the man, and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden in Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way to, the guard, to guard the way to the tree of life. And we see here the story of the fall of man. And I share this because a lot of times we just run through the story. But we see that Adam gave in to the wishes of his wife and allowed his family and those of us afterwards to deal with the knowledge of good and evil. Before this event, we were actually living in the Garden of Eden. If Adam wouldn't have just jumped into and allow his wife to take that fruit, we would have still been living in the Garden of Eden. And we see that the blame is not on Eve, and I see Omar touching Jessica over there. <laughs> but we see very quickly that the Lord puts the weight on Adam. Why is that? Because God created Adam first. He was given the authority to lead his wife and rule over the land, as we see on verse 9. And it says, Then the Lord called to Adam and said, Where are you? And that's very important to recognize today because, again, we love to ship blames. Men, we are responsible for our homes. Men, we are responsible to lead and be pastors of our home. We do have a pastor in this church, but those of us that are married, we are pastors of our own home. It ain't easy because let me tell you, every day I'm challenged by my wife. But I love her for that because she makes me a better man. And listen, I say all this to say that you think you are a mess but I'm a bigger mess. I stand before you not as a perfect man. And again, I reference a lot to my wife because she's my best friend. She can probably tell you quite a few stories of how imperfect I am. If I was a perfect man, I would be about 6'4", weighing about 225 pounds of pure muscle like Henry Cavill, wearing my Superman suit and long hair like Jason Momoa. So it's a good mix of Aquaman and Superman all in one. Instead, I'm about 5'9 or 5'10 in my good days. I'm 225 pounds, but it's all fat. <laughs> and not one muscle on me. And my vision is not 20-20, as you can see. I wear glasses. But aside from my physical attributes, I have been a mess inside of me. I have dealt with self-image and self-worth, which in a period of my time led to some crazy thoughts of suicide. I was born and raised in this beautiful country of South Florida. Yes, I did not say county. I said country of South Florida. We are in Hialeah, and it is, in my humble opinion, that anything what, south of West Palm Beach is a whole different country from the rest of the United States. I grew up with my parents, and some of you may not know, but I actually have two older brothers in Nicaragua. When my parents came here, they did come here fleeing Nicaragua because of political messes that was happening there. They came here. And I'll be honest, they didn't come here legally. They came here with the hopes of providing a better life to their own children. With the decision of coming here came a lot of sacrifices. Entering a country with no papers and no detailed information on how to make it better or, or, or do anything, they risked it all 
and made it here in hopes to bring my, my brothers sooner or later. At the time, I wasn't born yet, so I got lucky. I was actually born here at the entrance of Jackson Memorial. Again, I said that right, at the entrance of Jackson Memorial. I was a preemie at six months without, any, without the top layer of my skin because of the stress that they were living, living here illegally, I didn't make it to that front door. So I am a miracle of God to some because I'm here alive at 33 years old. It was because of my fat that kept me alive at that time. So if I would have made it nine months, my older brother actually weighed 13 pounds. So imagine at six months what the weight did for me at that time. So life happened, and, and because of that, I'm an American citizen. So life happened, and the fact that they weren't with me was a heavy burden. A part of me growing up felt empty because we weren't together. Holidays were difficult because you see on the TV and you see those around you with their families coming together, and my two brothers couldn't enjoy that with us. And that put a lot of weight on them as well. You see families fighting and sharing laughs. And even in those lows and ups, those were important things for me. Because at least they were together. And because of this desire to be part of a family, it led me and my family a journey to find God. At a young age, my parents talked about God to me. And for those of you that come from Latin American countries, we are familiar that our backgrounds usually come from a Catholicism background. So because of this emptiness I had inside of me, I desired to be called a son of God. We were Catholics at one point, and we would do these Bible studies going to their churches to get my, commun my communion. And for those of you that were in Catholicism, correct me if wrong, but step number one is that I needed to be baptized. And that's where I hit a brick wall. You see, my mother didn't do that. She actually didn't believe that a child should be baptized at the time of the birth or in those early years to get baptized because she felt that that person needed to know what was the reason of being baptized. Right? But because of that, it led to a co-worker actually speaking to her about a, a church that she was going to. Because of the back and forth with the Catholic Church of me not getting baptized and trying to get a communion at around seven or eight years old, I'm having fights with the priest and talking about, like, why can I get baptized? Where is it in the Bible that says that I can't baptize? And you're telling me to do all these nonsense of rules and regulations and all this stuff to get baptized so we better get them my communion. All I want to do is just be called the Son of God. And you're making it impossible. So that frustration led my, my mother to speak to her co-worker and say, this is what's going on, and, and my son really wants it, and I want him to feel that way, and this and that, and let us to a Christian church. And so this Christian church um, labels itself as Pentecostals. And so if those of you that have been in a faith for a very long time, I love my Pentecostal brothers and sisters. They were a very wild and vivid atmosphere. <laughs> That's a prime example. During worship, it's a party every single time. But one of the things that captivated me with them was the way that they actually spoke of the gospel. Which leads me to my second point, and it's that I needed a message. Like I stated, for a long time, I dealt with loneliness, self-worth, and my self-image. And for a long time, I felt not loved and not wanted. I really desired to be part of something bigger. I really wanted to be called a son of God. At first, it was a shock because I came from just sitting down 
And to be honest with you, my dad and I would go with my mom to Catholic church and we would actually compete with each other of who would fall asleep faster. And no offense to those, to those Catholic services, but that's what would happen to us. And so we go from that atmosphere to my mom going to her first service and changing her life and coming back home full of love and joy. You see, because not having my brothers around, that puts a toll to parents. I mean, I can't imagine those of you that have kids to leave your children behind and do life without them. Because I see many of you parents, beautiful parents that you guys are, that you do everything for your children. So this put a lot of weight to our family. There were times that there was a lot of that spirit of depression in our home, and it was heavy. So before my mom saw, met Christ and, and, had, and accepted Christ in her life, there was not that much joy in our lives. There was this temporary joy, these temporary happiness of moments. But that moment she came back from that day, from that Sunday service, she came as a different woman. And so she invites my father and I to go in a couple of weeks. And, and again, night and day, that service. My dad and I were in shock, but we entered into an atmosphere of joy and love. And what really captivated me, captivated me again was, and I say it again, is that simple message of the gospel. I love how Omar and Pastor Rigo actually shared it earlier this month on John 3.16. But I like to even include verse 17. And we'll go ahead and read it now. And if you guys haven't memorized it by, the, by now, this is your third chance of this month. So it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And this led me to one question. Who is this begotten, begotten son? His name is Jesus Christ. But who is he? He is the son of God, equal with God and with authority from the father. And let me prove it to you. And this comes from, the, from his mouth. We read in Luke twenty-two seventy, and it says, Then they all said, Are you then the son of God? So Christ responded, you rightly say that I am. The next verse, Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. John 5, verses 16 to 17, it says, for this reason, the Jews persecuted and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now, and I have been working. And finally, John 10, verses 27 and 38. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him, and Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? And the Jews answered, saying, him, saying, For good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. And Jesus answered him, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified 
and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the son of God. If I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the father is in me and I in him. And these are the things that Jesus is proving to be the son of God. These are coming from his mouth. But I love how the word of God is. It's so beautiful. And then always, it's not correcting itself, but it continues to prove itself. That he is the son of God. For Jesus was a sinless man, and he is the one with the father. In Hebrews 4, 14 to 15, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Because Christ didn't sin, God was able to accept the sacrifice. In 1 Peter 3.18, it says, Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. And 2 Corinthians, he says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we may become the righteousness of God in him. So who is Jesus? Jesus is the Son of God, equal with God, or in other words, Jesus is God. Jesus is God incarnate, the internal Alpha and Omega. And you guys can read that in Revelations 1.8 and Revelations 22.13. And it's God our Savior. 2 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. His death would not have been sufficient to pay the penalty for the sins of the world if he wasn't God. A created being, which Jesus would be if he were not God, could not pay the infinite penalty required for sin against an infinite God. Only God can pay such an infinite penalty. Only God can take on the sins of this world, die and be resurrected, proving his victory over sin and death. And this is the meat of my message. You see, what has been weighing on my heart for, for all this time is that, yes, there's a lot of messages of hope, and yes, there's a lot of messages of things are going to get better. I hate to say this to you guys, things may not get better. But what will never change and what will always continue to be the same is the message of the gospel, of the good news, of what I'm sharing with you today. See, here, lies, here stands a lonely kid from Hialeah desiring to have a family, desiring to be part of something bigger, having thoughts of not being part of something, having been feeling left out for, for a lot of my life and having wanting to at one point even take my life away. But the message of the, gospel want, of the gospel told me that he died for me to have everlasting life, to be with him for the rest of eternity. Abba, which is what he calls himself in the, in the Bible, Abba the Father calls me son, calls you son and daughter. The life of Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus made that possible. Why? Because God came off his throne, came down here on earth, lived a perfect life for 30-something years old, and died on the cross and resurrected after three days. Show me a faith that can prove that to you, because we are living testimonies of that faith. And this is the beautiful message of the gospel, the good news concerning Christ and the way of salvation. Here's a kicker. I spoke about the mess that I am, but some of us here think that we're good people as well. 
Guess what? You need the gospel too. If you were paying attention at the very beginning, we all struggle with a sinful nature. Those of us who may not be dealing with something very deep, we are all still dealing against our flesh. Perhaps you're not dealing with things such as porn. Perhaps you're not killing. Perhaps you're not stealing or drug using. But some of us deal with gossip, white lies, which let me reiterate, that is still a lie. And disloyalty. Bottom line, the word of God says in Ephesians 6.12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. The message of the gospel is very simple. It's the good news. And as men, we fell into a sinful nature, but God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in Christ should not perish, but have everlasting life. It is not a message to condemn you, but a message to save you. And this leads me to my point number three. I'm thankful for this opportunity to share with you all the fundamental basics of our faith. Because with this message, now you guys can carry on to those that are around you, in your workplaces, in your families, and those that you do life with. I stated the gospel is very simple. But how many times do we overcomplicate this? We tend to thwart it. We make it fall in line with our own thought processes. And that's dangerous grounds, as the Bible says, that our hearts are deceitful. You want proof? Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Even the Bible says that our heart is deceitful. So we can't trust on this whole concept of let my heart lead me. Let's change our mindset and let the Lord guide your every decision according to what the Word of God says. I was listening to my sister in Christ. She was preaching last week at her church, and I'm thankful for her boldness, and I will continue that boldness to say today. The message that, she, that, that we are sharing to others is not a prosperity message. Yeah, I said that in, within these walls. We are bold to say that. This is not a prosperity message. This is a message of hope and reconciliation with the Father. Coming to Christ doesn't mean that all your problems will go away. How many of you guys have seen that movie with Will Smith, The Pursuit of Happiness? I can attest that my life, there's specific details in that movie that I know what that man went through at an early age. And I was still living for Christ. I mentioned that I, that I came to Christ at the age of nine, at a young age. And at 33 years old, I have been walking this path for about 24 years now. Let me tell you something. I still need this message today, yesterday, and for the rest of my life. I mentioned that at times that I had thoughts of suicide and loneliness. This still happened to me after hearing the gospel. Accepting the gospel and living for the gospel. I don't say this to downplay the power of the gospel. Don't misconstrue my words. My life at at age nine did change 180 degrees. It changed because I was revealed the truth of God that he loved me no matter what. And here's a verse to prove that statement. Romans 8, 28 to 29. For I am persuaded that neither death nor light nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, 
nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. But every day I need a reminder that he loves me. Every day I need to open up his word and look at the Bible and let his words tell me that he died for me for an everlasting life. I struggle with this, and I'll be honest with you. I struggle at times opening up the Bible because I let my own mindset tell me that I'm not worthy to open up his word. And those are lies from the enemy. Within 24 years, I have failed countless times. And I'll be open with you guys. I'll name a few to you. At around 11, I was exposed to pornography. And I was so blinded, I blinded myself for many years that I allowed shame and guilt to blind me from the love of God. In my teen years, my parents and I faced one of the hardest trials financially, that at times we didn't have food, we didn't have water, and we didn't have electricity. And in my 20s, I was still dealing with shame, guilt, and loneliness. And I say this all, once again, not to say that the power of the gospel does not have power to change or make things better, but throughout my life, The gospel is what helped me keep moving forward. The gospel is a message of not only love, but of hope. And it's in my humble opinion that things can happen to us. Things can break apart, as some of us have encountered in these last two years. Some of us have lost family members, friends, jobs, homes. Some of us are still going through that. And I truly believe without the message of hope in our lives, it breaks your spirit and leads you to a dark road. I stumbled, um, let me read from Job 14, 7 and 9. And I stumbled upon this verse as I was preparing this message. And it says, for there is hope for a tree. If it is cut down, then it will sprout again. And that its tender shoots will not cease. Though its roots may grow old in the earth and its stump may die in the ground, Yet at the scent of water, it would bud and bring forth branches like a plant. This verse really impacted me. Because when I look at my walk with Christ, it reminded me that that's exactly my life there. I might have been cut down, and my stump may not be there. But at the scent of water, living water, which is a gospel, it would bud and bring forth branches like plants. So why is this message so important today? I think it always has been. I believe we still have the same responsibilities that the disciples had back in the day. And to further that claim, we have a bigger opportunity than they did. Why? Because I believe we live in a metropolitan world. Our worlds are interconnected via the power of the internet. We are now able to video chat, text message, and put blogs out there. And aside from that, living in this country again, that we call South Florida, we are a melting pot. We are exposed to so many cultures and we get to learn from them. Your voice is powerful, but another tool that you guys have is your testimony. In Revelations 12, 11 to 12, it says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, him being the devil. Again, we're not a church to, to, to fall back and, and call, it, call it out what it is. Him being the devil. We do have an enemy fighting against our lives. And by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. 
Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. Like I said, guys, you have an enemy called the devil. And that devil wants you to live without this message of hope, grace, mercy, salvation, and everlasting life. This devil wants to destroy you. Why? Because God came down here and saved your life through his death and resurrection. So guess what? He is jealous. Jealous that he doesn't get to be a part of that. Jealous and is a fool because he was once part of that. But the Lord loved us that he does that for us. And like I said earlier today, I may fall short every single day of my life, but that doesn't mean the gospel isn't truth. Speak about this good news and show others what this good news means to you. And this was a lot quicker than I thought. <laughs> so, so this is my final thought for you guys. Thank you. Having this good news and sharing with others is great. I'm not telling you what Regal said what we were going to do in two weeks. We're not telling you to go out there and proclaim to others that they are going to hell, come and repent and hear the good news of Christ. That's not what the gospel is telling you to do. What I'm telling you is that recognize that we are all messes who need a message to be a messenger. And that quote, I, I thank uh, my brother Rizzo because I was sharing with him what I wanted to share and he came up with that. It's very good with those word plays. So I pray to God that we be that messenger. And as an example, I wanted to give this last story about my father and I. I've spoken about my relationship over the years with my father and, and now for the last seven years, it's, it's, been, a, it's been great. But before that, we would bump heads, not just by our words, but physically. And so it led to some of those things of me not being, being part of something, and it led me to feel lonely at times. It led me to just have these thoughts of, of at, at a point taking my life away, because even if I'm not right with my dad here on earth, then who wants me? But the Lord challenged me many years ago, like seven years ago, and he, and he told me, you need to love them despite all the hurt that you both have gone through. I realized that my words did not match my actions. I'm here trying to preach the gospel, but yet I'm losing patience. I'm quick to respond. I'm quick to disrespect. I'm quick to dishonor my father. All of us at one point have our sons and daughters, and the Bible says that we must honor our parents. That's difficult to do, especially when you get older and you live on with your own life. The word of God says to continue to honor them and everything that you do. So what I started doing with him is show him compassion and show him grace and show him patience towards him. I stand here telling you that my relationship with my father has grown deeper than what it did for about 25 years of my life. And why is that? I stopped myself and I realized I had such high expectations of what a father should look like in my life. And placing those expectations on him, and it was unrightful for me to do, when he didn't have a father in his life. He did the best that he could. He only knew 
how to give through material things. But some of us expect things from each other because that's what we want. But not stopping ourselves and realize that that other person, to Rigo's point where we were talking about the abortion clinics, we don't realize what they're going through under the circumstances that they're coming from. So what is best to share the gospel? Is it best for me to come up to you and tell you, hey, you're a sinner. You're a disgrace to God. You need this message of hope. Come and follow me. Or is it better for me to do life with you? To be there in the times of need. To pray for you. And to, and to through my actions, show that love of God that flows through me. Because trust me, it's hard to love some people, right? For my dad, it took some time. But if I really love them, I really want him to be part of this message of, of the gospel and of hope. And I want him to see him in eternity. Same with my parents, same with all those that I encounter. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes every single day of my life. But my only message to you is that I am a son of God who is a mess, who needs a message to be a messenger to you through my walk of life. And so I closed today, and I know it was a short service. I thought 10 pages was enough, and Rigo was like, you sure you want to shorten it up a bit? Thank God I didn't. <laughs> but I want to close today's service with anyone that is out there that has never encountered this gospel, that has never realized that there is a God there that is not just a God, but who is a living being who has created you and has called you son and daughter. And if you've never been expressed this message to you, or if you've never been told this message to you, like we're sharing today, I pray that it lands in your hearts and that your hearts are open up at this moment. That despite what you have done in the past, despite what you may be doing right now, you can change by this decision of repentance the rest of your life. I am a testimony. Things may not get better. My wife and I have been going through things in this last year that we've never expected it. But something that we do for one another is continue to pour hope onto one another because we cannot forget what Christ did on the cross for us. Despite everything, we are still blessed for having the good news in our life. And so if there's anyone here today, feel free to come to the front and we'll do a prayer with you. We're not saying that this prayer has a magical power and that, none of that. What this prayer is, is just your expression to the Lord, just stating that here I am, God. I want to live this life of hope. I want to live this life of salvation. That despite anything that's happening around me, you are there with me. And I know that you are carrying me. And if you have been walking this life of the gospel for so many years, and you've allowed your own decisions and your own circumstances to tell you that you are not a son and daughter, I'm here to tell you, yes, you are. The Word of God says that our sins are as far as from the east and from the west. And that doesn't matter what you have done. I read it to you earlier. More death, more life will separate you from the love of God. So let's stand up and let's, um, let's get into a moment of just prayer at this time as I close up the service today. Father God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you, Lord Father, for this moment, Lord. 
We thank you for giving me the opportunity to share this message, Lord Father, that we need to hear this message and these days more than ever, a message of hope, a message of salvation. Because there's so many messages out there of just how things may get better or or our government trying to make decisions for us or just so many things around us, Lord Father. But the only message I believe that matters is this message that you have placed with us, Lord Father. That you came from heaven and you came down here as a perfect man, died and resurrected to give us eternal life. And so I pray that each individual that is here tonight, Lord, today, this morning, I'm sorry. I pray that each and one of us, Lord, are able to show that to others. Not just through our words, but through our actions. To, be, to have sympathy again with one another. To show some grace, to show some mercy, and to show love in our way that looks like, Lord. We thank you, Lord, Father. We thank that anyone that is listening and that they have never encountered this gospel of yours, Lord, Father. I pray that their hearts are open at this time. And as they open up their hearts, Lord, Father, and repentance is entering at this time, Lord, Father, that you flood them with your love and flood them with your presence, Lord, Father, at this time. Allow them to accept this love that you have for us, that you have called each and one of us son and daughter, and that you died for every single one of us. And I believe, truly, I believe that even if it was just that one, you would have still gone through what you've done, Lord. So we thank you this morning, Lord. We praise you this morning, and we just we just say thank you, Abba, that in this day of Halloween that others are celebrating, we preach a gospel of life against darkness. Centuries ago, it was it was Reformation Day, and today, Lord Father, we continue that message that your word is alive. It's not a religion; it is alive, Lord Father. So we thank you again, Lord Father, for just this opportunity, for just giving us the, the time, for living in this country, to come here as, as, as a body of Christ, to praise you and to worship you. And that I pray that this life of worship continues on in every single day of our lives. That in moments of lows, we continue to look up and pray unto you and state that, Lord, you are in control no matter what. I will continue forever and ever say that you are good. So we thank you, Father, and we put this in your son's Jesus Christ's name.